bonus so money episode how to launch leverage and grow your podcast you're listening to so money with award-winning money guru farnoosh torabi each day get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds authors influencers and from farnoosh herself looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons sorry you're in the wrong place seeking profound ways to live a richer happier life welcome to so money are you thinking about starting a podcast? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. This is a special impromptu episode that I decided to air. I was recently on Jacqueline Malone's podcast, The Go-To Gal, which everybody should check out. And she and I were talking about podcasting for much of the episode. A lot of you have asked me over the years, how do I get started with podcasting? Or, you know, I have a podcast, how do I grow it? And I thought, you know, it's kind of a nice time of year, middle of the summer, slow time to bring this up and actually share some of the behind the scenes of how the So Money podcast gets created, how I got my start, why I started the show, and what I think has been attributing to its success. Part of it is thanks to you and your commitment to the show, but how do I, you know, try to keep the podcast exciting and interesting and relevant? And what is my advice for those of us who want to start from scratch? Lots of insights shared both from me and Jacqueline, who is a podcast extraordinaire. Jack and I are actually running a podcast program for both people who want to start a show or grow their show. Check out somanypodcast.com and click on launch or grow your podcast with Farnoosh. It's a red button on the homepage. And let me know where you're at. Fill out the application so that we can get in touch. Here's Jacqueline Malone and I giving you all the deets. All right. I'm so excited to have you here today, Farnoosh. Me too. This is a long time coming. Thank you so much. And congrats on your reboot. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. So today we're going to dive into all things podcasting. And I have been so impressed with your journey as a podcaster and how you've really leveraged your podcast to build your personal brand and really has opened up so many doors for you. So I want to get into all things podcasting from all the angles today, but I'd love to just kick it off by telling us a little bit about your story with So Money and how how you started it, why you even started it. Where did the idea come from? Well, I think you can relate as a mom. You know, it's one of those things where I had my first son in 2014. Well, I have one son and one daughter, and I had my first baby in 2014. And he was born in, in June, and it was a nice time of year to give birth because it's the summer. And, like, as far as my business goes, summers are pretty mellow. So I had the opportunity to really like just be a mom 100%, lean into motherhood, get really like bonding with him. And then of course, I think as a lot of working parents feel, you get that itch. Like I want to get back to work. I, But I also knew at that point in my life that I had to be realistic about the parameters, right? Like uh, I'm not 25 and single and I can't just like pursue a path that has me traveling all over the world or being inaccessible or having something that's not super flexible or even, you know, taking a risk. I didn't really want to take something that was an unsure bet. Uh, and all paths were leading to podcasting at that time. I was looking at what other people were doing all over the 
thought leadership space. It was like, I feel like we'd all been exhausted from blogging and, and vlogging and, and podcasting was kind of the next frontier. Although, you know, I had been podcasting since 2006. If we really want to get back into the history of things, when I was a correspondent at the street.com, my background's in journalism and, and, um, and in broadcast news. And I was a financial correspondent for this website called thestreet.com. And uh, we did a lot of new media there where we did a lot of videos. We did podcasting. Podcasting didn't really take off then because we don't really have the infrastructure that we do today that makes it so easy. Like uh, our in our native podcast app on our iPhones and all these other platforms that stream uh, content. So fast forward to 2014, I'm hearing a lot about podcasting. A lot of men are doing it and making a ton of money from home. And I'm thinking, this is really the, perf- the, the trifecta of all the things that I am good at. I'm good at having a conversation. I'm a journalist. And I also can do this from home. That was music to my ears, right? To be able to do that as a mom. So it was sort of the perfect thing at the perfect time, perfect place for me in my career and also in my journey as a mom. And so I started just, I started interviewing a lot of people that I knew who had podcasts just to teach myself. I gave myself a good three, four months to really uh, connect the dots, get my equipment, figure out my show, talk to people, try to learn from other people's mistakes. Of course, I made a whole bunch of them myself. But uh, my goal was to launch in January 2015, which I did. And I wa- launched as a daily show, which is nuts. Seven so nuts. But I go, looking back, I think it was uh, kind of a, a cool way to launch. It's not sustainable, at least not for me. And I'm so happy now to be at three days a week. It's kind of the perfect pace for me at this point. But to your question, I think the podcast really served me um, in terms of where I was in my life as a mom and as somebody who wanted to still make an impact. I still wanted to reach more people. In fact, you know, I didn't want motherhood to slow me down, but I also wanted to find a way that was um, reasonable uh, to, to do all of the things. And I guess I hacked it. I feel like the podcast was my hack. Totally, totally. And I love that. And I say even with because, you know, you're such a leader in the podcasting industry. And here we are both. Are you are you in your bedroom? I'm in my living room. I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> I'm in my pajamas. Um, right? I'm, I'm drinking my first cup of coffee for the day. I'll probably have three more. And I have my noise canceling headphones because sometimes my kids are screaming in the background. <laughs> and Yeah, it's like no joke. You know, uh, sometimes... I wonder if I have the best setup because there are other professionals out there that go to a studio and they have all the equipment and they have a mixer. And I mean, I bought a mixer when I first launched and I hired a friend to come and teach me how to use the darn thing. And after he left, I was like, I don't even know how to turn it on. He spent two hours with me and I still didn't even know how to make it work. And I just, I just gave it away. It was like, it angered me every time I looked at it. Um, But yeah, I think there's a lot of a, uh, misinformation out there that you necessarily need all of these, all this equipment and all this soundproofing and you need all these connections and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, no, if you have a really good idea, if you're committed, if you respect the podcast kind of platform, like in, in the sense that you 
really understand what the listeners want. Listeners want deep dives. They want honesty. They want raw content. They don't want something that's super polished. They can get that on the evening news, right? They're coming to podcasting because they want to be connected. They want an intimacy. And so if you can deliver that um, and be respectful of that, I think I think you've got a lot of the basic elements to be successful. Uh, from there, it's just about layering and fine tuning and tr- doing the things to help you grow, which I think anyone again can do. But um, you have to ultimately be committed to the the podcast medium as a very unique thing. You know, just because you were successful at video or blogging doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be successful at podcasting. But I think um, it's like any other piece of content that you want to put out there. You want to be consistent. You want to be thoughtful, and you want to be really engaged to your end user. Yes. No, I love. I absolutely love your approach. Now, when you first launched, did you know you wanted to monetize right away? I knew that I was like, okay, I'm a financial expert and I, 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 uh, I like making money. I think we should all be able to make money from what we do. The thing is, I also uh, wanted to grow the show to a point where I could make, you know, substantial money. I didn't want to just make like $10 here or there because I, based on my audience size, which was very puny in the beginning, um, it was more important for me to take the time to grow the show, to be as excellent as it could be, to then be in a position to command as much money as I could for the show so that it'd be worthwhile, right? I don't want to bombard listeners with ads so that I can just pay for my microphone fees, you know, or my Skype fees. It's I want to be able to, you know, go big or go home. So I gave myself an allowance of a year to just do the show. And the idea was I actually, in this about six months in, I started to, I was getting good traction. My downloads were growing. I surveyed my audience to understand who these people were, what they cared about, where they were in their lives, you know, how much money were they making, all the good stuff to know as you approach sponsors. And it turns out that a few months after that, I was approached by an advertising platform who was getting a lot of um, query from their clients who are all sponsors and brands that they wanted to be a part of a show that was a finance show that was catering to women. And so it just happened that my show was up and running at the time when there was a hunger and a thirst from the sponsorship world to be in front of women who cared about money. There weren't a lot of shows at the time like mine. Now there are more. And I think that's a real testament to the demand out there from both a sponsorship side, but also reader listeners who want this content. So it was, uh, but also I was, I was ready, you know, when that opportunity arrived, I was ready. I was like, here's my, here, here are my, here's my demographics. Here are my stats. The show was really uh, blossoming. And, and so I felt really ready for that opportunity to seize it when it happened. And then from there, you know, I've also found other ways to monetize. So it's not just straightforward ads that are paying for the show. I find it's more lucrative sometimes too. And we're getting now into like monetization, but um, you know, this like really working with a brand partner to create content that is um, aligned with the message of that brand. So I do these bonus episodes from time to time in partnership with brands. It's not just like reading a 30 second ad at the top. It's really like bringing someone from the company on the show 
that's uh, we've on, on an agreed upon topic that's of interest to the listeners. We integrate their message. It's not over the top. It's still really quality content. But for the sponsor, the, bra- the, the brand, it's a lot more of an impactful way to get their message out there. And they're willing to pay more for that than just, you know, the standard CPM cost per mille rate that people go out there with getting sponsors. No, I, I love how you approach that and how it's integrated and it feels more, it's, it's part of the show and it, it's not this like little 15 second or, or one minute thing. It's it's actually yeah, part of the content that people yeah. are so accustomed to. Oh, it's going to be in the first part. I'm just going to, you know, fast forward past that. It's really part right. of the show. And you when you're able to do that in a way with a lot of integrity, it doesn't take away from it at all. I, I hope not. I mean, that was my real concern was that I didn't want to just, I didn't want to disrupt the experience. Now, on the other hand, you know, I think podcast listeners really do understand the economics. Like they're really grateful that they're getting this free show every single day. So if you want to sneak in an ad, they are going to understand. Hopefully, I think that's most people. Um, And, you know, Believe it or not, there are some people too that 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 have this perception that until you're sponsored, you're not really a legit show. Like, how could you possibly have a popular show if if you don't have sponsors? Because that's a real marker, right? It, it kind of, in some ways, illustrates that you're successful, that you have a, a sponsor. I actually had a, a listener write in at one point was like, "Well, I mean, guys, how?" How popular could this show be if she doesn't have a sponsor? And meanwhile, my rationale was I don't want to disrupt the experience yet until I feel like it's worth it. It's a win for everybody that it's a, it's an aligned brand. I'm getting paid, um, what I want to get paid. And, you know, it's, it's, it's helpful to the brand to be on the show. So it, for me, I've just been not, I didn't rush into sponsorship and I'm happy that I didn't. Although I think there are definitely ways you can start monetizing sooner. Um, I, I didn't really have, you know, the big email list and the big social media following to perhaps uh, attract a sponsor because sometimes sponsors, you know, if you don't have a, if your podcast is still new and you feel like, Oh, I'm not ready to get a sponsor. What other assets do you have that you can fold into the partnership, right? To say, okay, well um, this is a really an integrated partnership where we're going to, work with you to spread your message across all my channels, you know, my email newsletter, my Facebook group, and my podcast. So the podcast is almost like a bonus, but it still does heighten the fee that you could charge. Um, So that's also something to think about as you're starting out. You know, if you already have a robust blog, and then the podcast is a new venture for you, it's really about getting sponsorship for the blog and the podcast. Yes, yes. And that's not exactly what we did when we started. But when we were about four months into all up in your lady business, that's exactly what I I approached two different two different companies to sponsor. And one ended up being an affiliate sponsor. They didn't do paid sponsorships, at least not at the time. And so we, we started running ads for them as an affiliate. And that took a while to grow. But we're still getting paid every single month from that as a top 25 affiliate now. And the other one, we were able to negotiate $100 an episode, which at the time was huge. We're doing two episodes a week and we're like, okay, now we have a budget. We can go hire people. We don't have to do everything ourselves. And 
I think between the two of us at the time, we had a couple thousand people on an email list. We had like 800 people in a Facebook group and we were mm-hmm. able to just leverage our, our whole platform saying, okay, we have Instagram, we have email, we have Facebook. And, and they were like, okay, because it was a targeted niche. I feel like that's the key yeah. is when they know they're getting in front of exactly who they want to be getting in front of, then it's worthwhile, even if you don't have big numbers. I think brands are really waking up to your point, Jacqueline, which is that it's not just about the numbers. It's about who are these people that we're getting in front of. And these days, unfortunately, there are a lot of charlatans out there who are really beefing up their numbers, but it's baseless. It's like fake accounts or it's not people who are necessarily the right fit target for the brand. And so I actually just read a New York Times article about how brands are really um, more and more um, becoming more open-minded and actually working with people who have um, micro accounts. But at the same time, it's like the very people they want to get in front of. So for a brand, it makes more sense to perhaps work with 10 different podcasters that each of them brings quality, precise target audience to them that maybe like a thousand here, 500 there, 2000 there, as opposed to like putting all their money in one podcaster, making that one bet, and maybe or maybe not, it works out. They don't know who's who's in that audience. You know, it's really great that they have thousands and thousands of listeners, but are they engaged? Are they the right fit? And these are the things to really... Sur- you can ask your audience these questions. I always ask my audience. I do a survey usually once a year to refresh uh, who's in the audience. And I always ask, you know, have you ever purchased something that you learned about on the show, whether it was a book or a course? And over... 30% said yes. And that's pretty that substantial. Is. That is. Um, you know, and I know how much money they are making. I know how educated they are. I know, you know, uh, what they care about too. What's your, I always ask like, what's the number one money concern that you have? Um, I'm learning that my audience, you know, has a lot of things going on. They've got maybe student loans and they're trying to save and they are trying to change careers. And so it's a nice diverse mix of needs that sponsors can really then like find themselves being relatable to these people. Um, so yeah, I, I love talking yeah. money. And I love, that, I love that you and brought up that. Yeah. I love your story too. It's so inspiring. It's, it's important for that story to get out there more because I think uh, it's it, there's a lot of misinformation out there. I attended Podcast Movement when I first launched my show that summer. I went to Podcast Movement with the idea I went, I went to speak, but also I attended some uh, seminars. And the one that I really wanted to go to was about monetization. And I was you know, I left pretty disappointed because the speaker was like, unless you have, you know, tens of thousands of listeners per episode, basically, you're not you're not really ready yet to get a sponsor. And I thought that was really, uh, I thought it was just a, well, at the time, I I thought, well, I should just throw in the towel like that. What am I? I'm never going to make money, you know, like, because I just started and to get to that point, it's it takes a long time. Um, So I want to dispel some of the myths out there. And particularly, I think um, there aren't enough female podcast hosts out there. I want more and more diversity in the podcast space. I run a pod, you and I run a podcast program. A lot of our students are women, which is like just a wonderful thing to experience and be a part of. And 
I, I want more women to make money. So it's just like, I want this message to get out there that you can have a podcast. And if you're strategic, you can make the money and you can, you know, not feel like you're running around with your head cut off. Yes. Oh, okay. So you mentioned something and that I want to dive into more that I think one plays in so well to the so many accelerator that we should talk about some more. And, and it's funny because I say this is an expression, but it's actually the case for you. So I think it just makes the story so much better. So you were mentioning before you, when you first started, you didn't have this big following yet. And, but because you started and, and started growing it, when those opportunities came, you were ready. And it's funny because I usually say like, Oh, you got to be ready for that. Like Oprah moment. <laughs> And you were ready for your Oprah well, moment. <laughs> like the Oprah moment came. So I feel like we have to address that at some point too, because it's so funny. I say that as an expression and most of us haven't necessarily had that Oprah moment yet, but. Oh, I had an Oprah moment and I didn't actually meet Oprah Winfrey, but her team reached out to ask me if I could be a financial contributor to their magazine. And do you know, I hustled like I didn't sleep for days. I, I was literally in two places at once trying to get this done. I was hosting a workshop and trying to submit pitches. Like I had, if I, if I could, that was when I wish I could clone myself. The deadline was looming. I was, I was like, Oh my God, it's not going to happen. And then it happened. But then, you know, it's, it, but it took me like 12 years to get to that point. I felt like everything in my career had led to that opportunity. And even then it was a hustle, you know, it was, it was like, not like, Oh, easy. Let me just, you know, win this over in my sleep. I had to really, I was, there was competition. Um, the podcast again, really helped me. I think if I had to be, if I, if I were to analyze it deeply, I would say that having a podcast allowed me to have such an acute sense of what women want when it comes to their money, what they're struggling with, the questions they kind of, they have, that helped me go into a meeting with Gail King and Lucy, um, who runs the magazine, to be able to have really deep conversations with them. That was from firsthand knowledge of what women want, and I think that ultimately won my case to be their financial contributor. And for the next year or two years that we were working together, a lot of the content, I would say, was inspired by content that I had come up on my show, questions, guests, people who um, were interesting profiles who then made it into the magazine. So um, you never... I always say there's like money to be made from your podcast directly. And then there's things that I got because of my Which podcast. Which so important to talk about, right? And the fact that you didn't go in there. And I don't know who else went in there who was like, quote unquote, up against you for it, right? But you you can imagine that, you know, it, they're, they're filling a role for Susie Orman, right? Essentially. And other people go in there trying to be the next Susie Orman. But here you were building your own platform with your own voice, with a unique message. And that is attractive to whoever, right? Whether it's, whether it's Oprah or whether it's your listeners, that's, that's what's compelling. I like to think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, um, it was the sort of thing where you're, I mean, there's a lot of self doubt. I will be just completely transparent. I mean, at the same time, I felt really, solid in my 
self and my pitch and my career and what I knew about women and all of the things. But, you know, you also, it's intimidating to be in that room. And uh, I lost my voice the next day because that's how hard I, I tried to really converse and be present at that meeting. We, it ended up being a really long meeting. Um, but, you know, you got to kind of just got to show up and do your best and know that some things are not in your control. I, I left that meeting knowing like, if I don't get this role, then, you know, it's not my fault. I feel like I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm making a difference. I'm still going to be successful. And it would be really amazing and such an honor to be a part of this magazine and this team. But I also can't imagine what their thought process is. Like they have their own target and ideas around who they want to hire and that's their prerogative and you know it is what it is but that didn't happen so such a good perspective (laughs) and thank you for your honesty and transparency there but it's true whenever we're taken outside of our comfort zone like that and and here you are like okay like I'm up for this big opportunity it's so easy to get in your head about it and that's when all those inner mean girl thoughts tend to come up, but I think that's just a good sign that you're, that you're growing. Right. I never used to have that before I started a business. I always felt confident. And I think it's because I wasn't ever pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. But I will say too, that, um, in preparation for that moment, that Oprah moment, when I, you know, they called and I, we set up, they gave me some assignments and then we had a meeting. It was m- many months, many steps, but I never for once took it for granted or said, oh, this is in the bag. Or I was always doing my homework for that moment when I was going to meet them. Like I read all the magazines, I pitched, I really became a student. Like I was pretending I was trying to get the A in English class junior year, you know, that I had a tough teacher. I had to just really, there was no fake in it. You just had to really be yourself, but also be smart about the process, right? Like get to know who the people in the room are going to be, um, read the magazine. I mean, these are basic things, but sometimes I think when we're, when we feel like so confident, oh, my work should just speak for itself. No, they don't know you from Jane, you know? So you have to go in really with, um, having done your homework. And I feel like I've really been fortunate throughout my career. I've worked with some people who I consider mentors. That was always their, modus operandi. Like they were like really smart. They were really successful, but they always did their homework. They showed up with knowledge, with contacts, with prep, with talking points. Like they were not going, they weren't, again, they were going to do whatever they could do to bring it home. And if they, at the end of the day, weren't able to, at least it wasn't because they didn't, you know, read up on some sort of fact or like, you know, uh, do the home the necessary homework. Oh, that's so good. So many takeaways there that can be applied to many things outside of over moments. I love everything many. about that. Oh, okay. So with the So Many Accelerator, we have two different levels, the beginner level and then the advanced level. But I feel like we should talk about what people are doing wrong in the podcasting industry, because that's really what we're trying to solve with these programs is like, okay, let's not let's not do these things. So maybe we should dive into some of the mistakes we're seeing with people when they're launching, but also like established podcasters. Yes. So I would say the biggest mistake when you're launching is getting all the 
technology and like microphone and you're kind of bought, you're kind of obsessing over the, the production. Whereas I feel like you and I, when we were developing this program, we really wanted to dedicate time and supporting and support to the, um, the content, right. And like the editorial hook and what is your show about and how is it going to differentiate? And that's so important. Really the foundation for your show is not like how great your mic is or how good your audio is. It's like, is your topic actually relevant and important and executed well? What's your title going to be? What, like, you know, what's your subtitle? What's your, who are your guests? What are the topics? Who's your audience? I think that a lot of programs that offer podcast support kind of rush over that part um, because sometimes people are like, well, I already have a book or I have a, I have a blog. I'm just going to call it what the book is or call it what the blog is. And, and certainly that can be your title. But, you know, again, the podcast is a different beast. It's not necessarily the same structure or format or flow or conversations. It's, it's got to be its own unique design. So we do spend a lot of time with our students working on that. And I feel like that that's the sort of thing that, you know, we do dedicate a good two weeks to that, which if I think is, is, you know, generous, but it does, it's, it's still something that they're thinking about, you know, as they're ready to launch, which is totally healthy. You know, I want you to be as focused on that as you can be, it's the most important thing. And then, you know, the technicals we definitely get into, we give our recommendations, we have to do that. But we also get into things like marketing and monetization. Um, the marketing is important because, you know, as we know, when you're launching and iTunes is the biggest platform for podcasts right now. So in some ways we have to kind of play to their rules and their preferences. How do you become, um, an iTunes liked show where how do you get new and noteworthy? How do you get to be in the what's hot section? How do you get reviews? How do you get ranked, et cetera, et cetera. Really important to know because in the beginning, at least, and still to this day, for me, at least having presence in the iTunes store in the app section is vital. It's prime real estate for your show. As people, especially new podcast listeners are coming, they're checking out the category and then they see your show ranked right on the first page, that's more likely that they're going to look into your show than not. So really important to know how that all works and how to get on other podcasts to promote your show. The best way to promote a podcast is to get on another podcast. Uh, because that's, you know, those are already trained listeners um, who are probably looking for more interesting shows to tune in to. So um, yeah, I think that what we offer is unique in that we um, really go deep on a lot of these important aspects of launching that sometimes get brushed over. And it's a group exercise too. So a lot of times you're launching your show in isolation, which is another mistake. I feel like um, I knew that for myself going in, like, okay, I work from home and it could be really easy for me to just reference Google and, and, take a stab at this podcasting, but I made sure to get on calls with other podcasters. I, I bought a course. I, I joined a Facebook group, all the things so that I could feel like I had a community. So when I had inevitable questions, I could ask and get quick answers and I wouldn't get stalled because I had a, an issue with uh, 
iTunes onboarding, you know, like I, I would get immediate feedback on the Facebook group. And that's the support that I've now recreated for the program, right? So we have our Facebook group, we have our group calls, so much accountability. There's, it's really hard to fall through the cracks or just to get discouraged because I think, um, at the end, you know, we're all really excited for each other. We're in support of each other. It's, um, it, it's sort of like the best way I think to launch. If you have the time, if you're not wanting to launch tomorrow, you know, I think 12 weeks that the program that we've designed has a 12 week length. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's fast, but it's not, you know, I think that if you really stick to it and you carve out that time for yourself, it's completely doable. I did that. I launched a daily show Monday through Sunday within a 12 week period. I was ready to go launch. I had a newborn. I had other responsibilities. Yeah, we did that too. It. We did that too. Can. So I completely agree. And yeah, I, people get way too caught up in the tech. Yes, we have to give you the technology, but that shouldn't be the biggest everything. And I think people get really distracted from the stuff that they really should be focusing on by letting that tech overwhelm. And then, oh, what were you saying about the content? Yes, that is the piece that nobody, none of these courses get into. And it drives me, they're not. Exactly. They're mass selling. And so what we do is we curate a small enough group where we can really give that undivided attention. So we have someone who wants to launch a health podcast or a, a relationship podcast or a money podcast or an entrepreneurship podcast, um, a travel podcast. We can really take each person on a hot seat and on a one-on-one and within the group to really go back and forth and, and really do that, go through the exercise of figuring out what is your real juicy podcast going to be about. Um, that, in other ways, if you're just in kind of this big group where you're not being heard, there's not any back and forth or engagement, you know, you got to kind of roll the dice a little bit and um, come up with your title and your your summary and all of that and cross your fingers and hope that it will be successful. But, I, you know, I like to think that you can um, crowdsource a lot of your uh your formatting and your content. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and I think that just taking that time to be intentional about creating co- platform specific content is crucial for any platform, right? Like I'm all about repurposing, but to not just like throw your Facebook live onto a podcast and think that you have a podcast, right? Like none of the top podcasts right. are repurposed Facebook lives. Does that mean you can never do that? No, I've seen it done, you know, here and there. I think Shalene Johnson used to put her periscopes on there every once in a while and stuff like that. So it's not that you can't ever get creative like that, especially if something is really good. But just saying like, oh, I have a Facebook Live show. I'm just going to pull the audio and throw it on a podcast every week and then get frustrated a year later that you haven't really grown or you don't have the listeners or the audience. You're not really getting anything, quote unquote, out of the podcast is... I, I see that a lot. And I think it's like, well, because you, you didn't take the time to understand the platform and figure out how to create that right content. And for why it. you want to do a right. podcast, right? Like the why is so important. I think like, it's not enough to just be like, oh, podcasting looks fun. I can do that. And you probably could. But I think if you, if you want to, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Like there's no, there are no rules. Like you can just, you know, anybody can launch a podcast, anybody can write a self-published book, anybody can start a blog, anyone can have a YouTube channel. 
But if you really want this to be platform building to your point and really something that becomes uh, an established aspect of your brand that creates money for you, that gets you opportunities, you need to have a vision and a long-term plan. And to really first answer the question, why am I starting this show? Is it just so that I can have fun? Well, if that's if that's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. But I would really love for you to also think about all the other benefits. But you can only earn those benefits if you do it in a way that is aligned with... You got to know that before you start. So if you're, one of your goals is to make money, then you need to make sure that you're taking that into account as you're building your show. If your goal is to funnel the listeners into a course that you have then that is also important as you are developing your show because now you are targeting a particular person that you know now. You need to make sure the content on the podcast is of interest to these people, that it's not also a duplicate of what they're getting in the course, right? So I think um, I just had a call with a prospective student the other day and really exuberant, excited to start a podcast. I don't know why I want to really do it though. And okay, that's fine. Take the time to figure it out. I think if you want to do our program, it really to get the hit the ground running, at least have that question answered. You know, what is it about podcasting that is speaking to you that's going to serve you and the audience, but to really be um, clear on why you're taking this on. There's a reason I didn't do video. There's a reason I didn't start a blog. And that's because I wanted to take the conversation about money to a whole new level. Video, really, people have very short attention spans, two minutes. You can't really get a whole lot of deep diving on a, on a video on YouTube. Blogging, I don't have the bandwidth to write all the blogs that I want. But speaking is something that I can do relatively simply. I can also, on a podcast, go deep on the topic of money, which is important to me. And I also knew that I didn't want to necessarily talk to people who are coupon cutters and like, you know, in have debt, you know, over their, what, what's the word? Like in um, over their head? No. <laughs> in over their heads, <laughs> right? Your hand here. <laughs> um, I wanted to help people who could help themselves, right? Um, that's a demographic that, I think we'll be able to take the advice and hit the ground running with it, you know, and, and just definitely I have a, a wide variety of people in my audience, but you know, I know that they're also like looking to up level their finances. They have a base. They're trying to do better. That was, those were the people I wanted to target. Podcasters are inherently more kind of ambitious, right? They're um, more like really intuitive and thoughtful about their lives. They're listening to podcasts. My gosh, I mean, that's that says a lot. They're taking 45 minutes to listen to something as opposed to just like scanning an article or watching a quick clip on YouTube. They're, they're dedicated. And I wanted that audience because I knew that was the kind of audience that I could mobilize, that I could get to get on board with other things. So that's why I had a podcast. And you call that out um, right in your intro too. Yeah. I'm like, if you're here to cut coupons and learn how to save money on gas, there are other shows for you. This is not the show. I mean, we get into saving as well, but it's more about um, money mindset, um, learning from our mistakes, uh, how we are designing our lives with the money that we have, supporting our lives with the money that we have, how we're 
you know, philosophical stuff about money, but also a lot of fun too. It, but it's not about like quick tips on how to save on groceries. I had done that. I did a lot of videos on that for Yahoo. I've written enough blogs on that. The content's already out there. And that's the thing too. I didn't want to repeat what's already out there. There's already a lot of amazing content on how to save money, quick tips. But there's not a lot of content about people's emotions around money, hearing from famous people who talk about all things except money. So let's talk about that now on my show. I know you, you know, Margaret Cho are a comedian and an actress and you make a lot of jokes about um, politics and but what's your fine what are your finances really like and what is it like to be an entertainer and a you know someone who is uh, in Hollywood as a woman trying to make the money and that is the stuff that I think is what's just different about the show that you're not going to get anywhere else oh, so good. Okay, so I want to give some quick tips too. Speaking of speaking of quick tips, yeah, <laughs> while we have you here, because what you've grown it is so amazing, and I, I I know our listeners are like, ah, tell me more. So let's do one quick tip on that person who is starting and maybe is thinking about joining the accelerator, but is really thinking about like, should I be doing that podcast? What is what is one thing you think you did that really helped grow the podcast so early on? Well, I shared my show with everyone and anyone, you know, you have to be your biggest advocate for your show. Don't bury it, you know, uh, really get out there and be proud of it. It's exceptional what you're doing. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tall task. It's got technical layers. It's, um, it's a grind and it's cool. There's a cool factor to what you're doing. It's, it's very much like what, um, all the cool people are listening to. And there's a like sort of a mystifying thing about podcasting. Like people who don't know anything about podcasts are like, wow, like how does that work? Where do you do it from? Oh my God. You know, so like leverage that. I remember um, in the beginning of my show, the early weeks and months, as I was like going on speaking tours or going, like I did a media appearance and I would be backstage and people would be like, so what do you do? What are you up to? What's What's new? <laughs> I would lead with the podcast and inevitably that got me more guests that got me more listeners. Um, I remember this is like crazy, but I was backstage waiting to go uh, do a TV segment and I was going to do it with another expert. It was going to be a co um, panel sort of thing. And I was meeting this woman, Tracy for the first time Tracy, I learned, is the founder of Trade Z, which is like a secondhand luxury market e marketplace. And um, we're talking, and um, we're getting to know each other. And I told her I have this podcast, and I also have interviewed all these people. I wanted to make sure that when I launched, that I launched with some serious guests. That was the other thing. I wanted to anchor the show with some high caliber names, so that immediately the show people were like oh it's it's a it's a pretty interesting show um it would also help me get other guests right to oh well tony robbins has done your show i mean i should definitely do your show um so i told her i have had tony robbins on the show and robert kiyosaki and um you know some recognizable names and she goes you should have tim ferris on your show and i was like yeah that would be great do uh, i also would like to have you know, the president, and I would also like to have uh, Oprah. And she goes, let me text him right now for you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
And I was like, okay. Okay. So it turns out she, Tim Ferriss is, is, I think she, they have an investor relationship. I think she, he's an investor in her company and, or on her board or something or other. There's like a business relationship and friendship there. So she texts him and two weeks later, he's on my show. And um, that was my direct line of from Tim Ferriss was just blabbing about my show backstage to random people and them being like, wow, that is so cool. I want to help you. And you they do. Know. I mean, people, you never know who can help you. That's, I think, the moral of the story. But you can only be helped if you ask for it. So ask for the help. Ask for reviews. I literally made a YouTube video to show people how to make write a review on iTunes because it's not the it's easiest not. thing in the world. <laughs> it's so complicated. <laughs> and so um, I like did a little tutorial, put it up on Facebook, hopefully got a few more people to subscribe, uh, rather subscribe and leave a review. The other thing I did that I think really helped with my reviews, which can help your ranking in iTunes is to, I said to people, if you leave a review, I will pick one review a week, whether it's good, bad, medium and grant this person a 15 minute money session with me one-on-one and people did it. You know, it wasn't a guarantee. I never said like, you have to leave a glowing review to qualify. It was just, if you do this, um, I will pick one person from the reviews section every week. And so it required them to continue listening to hear their name and then, leave a review to be qualified. So it kind of had a lot of advantages. I also do a Friday Ask Farnoosh session, which I ask people to go to the website, click on Ask Farnoosh and leave a question for the Friday episode. That action requires you to submit your email. So I'm collecting emails. And I, those Friday episodes are widely listened to more than sometimes the interview episodes because people want to hear what other people are thinking about when it comes to money, the people who ask the questions are tuning in and telling all their friends to listen because I'm going to be on the show. Um, so the, I guess it's ask for help. Also, I would say engage with your audience. You know, like your show is only as good as your audience will let it be. If your audience is listening and, and, and engaged, then your show's great. But if you have no one listening and no one's responding, your show's a flop. So, but you are the one who can really you know, elicit that, like get them to um, write reviews, hear what they want to hear, to hear about, ask them, like pull them, you know, what would you like to learn more about on the show? Make it all about the audience. And then you can't go wrong because it's about them. It's not about you for podcasting and everything else, right? Uh, Make it about them. Absolutely. And that applies to podcasters at all levels. And so this round, we're actually doing two levels for, for the so money accelerator. So it's for the newbies, but we also have a level for the experienced. podcasters. Yes. So I uh, had a couple of one-on-one clients over the fall who were in this category, right? People who have a show, they've been maybe working on it for several months, several years, and they really want to kick it up a notch. They feel like I should have more of a following. I want some more recognition for the show. I Or I'm just really bored with the format. I want to spice things up, but I'm not really sure how to do it and do it you know, thoughtfully. So... I've been working with these folks and, you know, um, have had great results where 
one client, for example, helped her get some really big name guests to help, you know, bring some attention to her show. We surveyed the audience to find out what they care about to help her pitch to sponsors to get some sponsorships, um, more uh, press for some of my clients, you know, introducing them to the media to uh, share some of the stories that have been um, developed over the time over the course of the year on their podcast. Sometimes that's worthy for a podcast, for a a, a blog post or an article post somewhere else to then tag back to your show. So these are the sorts of things that we work on. And I thought we could totally do this in a group setting come the next iteration of the program. So now we're opening up the program to existing podcasters. If you want to grow your audience, um, earn some press, uh, learn more about monetization strategies and how to implement them. And if you're also thinking about maybe restructuring the show in some way, shape or form, we want to help because, you know, a podcast is the living, breathing thing. I've been doing mine for four years. How many years have you been podcasting? Almost almost three and a half. (laughs) Over three. So between us, there's seven and a half years worth of experience as we've evolved our shows, we went from zero to more than zero. So we have a lot of knowledge. And I'm sure that within the group too, there are going to be people who have so much feedback to give to one another. So we're really leaning about that, about having experienced podcasters be able to mastermind with each other, but also be able to get the help with the things that are going to help grow. Right. And, and I love that we're doing, you know, talking about getting the press and stuff to help out in a different way too, and helping them grow their audience and, and monetize what they already have and figure out how to do that. Because we started monetizing our podcast when we had under 500 downloads an episode. So you don't need to wait until you're at some arbitrary level to start monetizing. Yeah, that's (laughs) sing it, preach, sing it from the hilltop. Oh, so good. All right. So one more tip on people who are listening and they're like, okay, I love all of this, but I'm not ready for a podcast yet. I don't have a podcast already. You get pitched all the time. I get pitched all the time. <laughs> what do you have one yeah. tip for the listener who's like, this is really great content, but I'm just going to like park this in my brain somewhere until I'm ready. Uh, but I would like to be a guest on podcasts. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah. Well, I would say if there's a favorite podcast that you have that you're like, I could totally be a guest on this show. I want to be a guest on this show is to first become a student of that show, like learn how the show gets Produced, and you can learn a lot from just listening. You know, you can tell from the um, from just listening the kinds of list, the kinds of guests they have, and also what are the topics that they cover that seems to be of importance to the host and to the audience. So, in your pitch, I think that rather than leading with the fact that you want to be on the show, lead with why you love the show, why you always listen to the show. Maybe there's a particular favorite episode that you have. You can expand on that a little bit, why that really spoke to you, resonated with you. Open with that a couple of lines. It's a warm open. I think a lot of times as creators, podcasters, we don't get that luxury of hearing back from our audience of, you know, and it's always appreciated. It's more like they will continue to read the email as opposed to like the subject line saying pitch, you know, or want to be on a guest on your show. Maybe the, the subject says like huge fan of your show, um, loved episode 200, you know, and then you go into why you loved it and then who you are a little bit. Um, you love the work that the podcaster is putting out. 
if they're, and you can say, as you build out your editorial calendar for the next, for the year, and if you ever want to speak to someone who has experience in X, I would love to be considered for your show, then offer two to three concrete, specific bullet points of what you're prepared to share. I'll tell you what all content creators love. They love specificity. They love before and afters. They love personal stories, but, but stuff that is not, um, that's not overheard, you know? So if there's something counterintuitive or contrarian or exceptional that you went through, lead with that. So I run a money podcast, right? So I particularly love when people are willing to share numbers, like how I went, how I erased $400,000 worth of debt in 15 months while starting a business. I mean, that is like such a headline. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be also so extreme, but I think the more that you can show that you're willing to be transparent and honest and truthful and um, really go there, I think that's, that's more likely that you will get a response. And one that a lot of the, the actual PR people that pitch probably should take too, because pitching podcasters is totally different than pitching other people. Oh, can I tell you how many pitches I get from publicists where they get my gender wrong. They like, they think I'm a man. They spell my name wrong. They pitch me a guest I've already had on the show. So they didn't even clearly go to the website to see who's been on the show. They didn't talk to their client and say, hey, we're pitching you to Farnish's podcast. Do you know her? Do you Because then they would have learned a lot and they would have saved themselves the embarrassment. I don't really respond to these people ever because I'm like, I have, I don't even know what to say that I, I will, I, I will risk embarrassing them if I'm like, oh, he's already been on the show or I'm, you know, and, and then they'll send me like very long emails. I don't have time to read 800 words in an email. Just send me the most important thing. And just because your, your client is a financial expert doesn't mean that I'm going to be interested in interviewing him or her. It's the story of who they are and how they've been managing their money and maybe something interesting about the way that they manage their personal finances or something interesting about what they teach about personal finance. Just because you're a CFP or just because you have a book about wealth that's great, but that's not um, specific enough. I want more specifics. Maybe you still are going to be a really valid, great guest, but I don't know yet. I just know like your title and your Twitter yeah. handle. I oh need to know gosh. more. Okay. So, so good. All right. So for anyone who's listening, who is interested in learning more about either level of the So Money Accelerator, either the the, for the beginners who are just getting launched, or if you've had a podcast for a while, we said a couple months or even a few years, but you're really ready to take it to that next level. I will do a, I'll, I'll set up a pretty link for this. How about we do that? <laughs> so I'll put it in the show notes too, but go to JacquelineMalone.com forward slash so money and, and we'll link you there. And then if you want the higher level one, do so money pro. So JacquelineMalone.com forward slash so money pro, if you're an experienced podcaster and we'll set up those pretty links. And if you want to just look at the show notes and click the link, you can do that too. All right. So obviously everyone needs to go and subscribe and listen to so money if they have not already, but where else can people follow you Farnoosh? Oh, I would love some Instagram, love Instagram and too. followers there. I'm working on it. You know, I try to be really authentic with it. I don't have a plan for my Instagram handle. I don't have like a schedule. I just post what I feel is funny or cool or right what I'm feeling in the moment. <laughs> so uh, my Instagram handle is at Farnoosh Tarabi. 
And just so you know, I do answer questions there as well. So if you direct message me with a money question, keep it short and sweet, and I will answer it um, in, in good time. And often I source my questions for the show on Instagram. So it's where a lot of people have been um, flocking to, to to get uh, their questions answered, and I'm happy to receive them there. But just keep it as, you know, uh, relatively short. Sometimes people email me like 300 words, 400 words, all these numbers. And I'm like, it's too much. I get like, my stomach starts to hurt when I see that. I'm like, I can't. It's too many things coming at me. So just, you know, big, <laughs> small doses on Instagram. Um, if I need more, I'll ask. I'll, I usually will like, so how, what's your interest rate or whatever. But I I love um, Instagram. so fun and friendly. And so for now, <laughs> right? Uh, so that's where we hang out, a lot of us. So yeah, just oh, go great. there. And Instagram. thank you so, so much. I I always love hearing your journey and your takeaways and your insight. And this has been a super valuable episode. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. To learn more about Jacqueline and my podcast, Accelerator, go to accelerator.somoneypodcast.com, accelerator.somoneypodcast.com. Let us know that you heard about the program on this episode, and we will extend a nice friends and family discount to you if you're interested in joining one of our programs. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I hope your day is so money. So money.